Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. Let's switch gears and talk yep. about entrepreneurship and mission and vision and things like that. And I have a sneaking suspicion that this may end up being a two-part podcast because we're just getting going uh, on this part of it. And so we've learned a lot about memory palace and decision-making, but yep. let's talk about entrepreneurship. And, and you hit the most important thing first there, which is you see the, I have lots of vision and nothing ever happens. And we all know a bunch of entrepreneurs, crazy inventors, people like that, where you know, they might have the greatest thing since sliced bread, gluten-free bread, but they, it never sees the light of world because they couldn't execute. And then we see the executors who execute stuff that doesn't matter, even if they make money. Yeah. Um, it seems like you're allergic to both of those. Both. So, I'm totally allergic. Okay. This is why I like your work. I must say, I will say it again. Because you touch the inner self, you're touching deep psychological and you're exploring uh, psychological places, you're exploring the system area, you're exploring the marketing, and you're exploring as uh, a team and collaborative work. All of them are necessary. People all the time neglecting one of them and say, okay, this is evil. You know what? I'm only about like uh, spirituality and marketing is evil. And then the, the other guy is saying, oh, this is like, oh, what is not, it's not practical. So all the time it's like, there is like a fight and it's actually entities within us, like the people mm-hmm. like judging us, you know, they're judging a specific, uh, a, a whole world, a whole criteria, they're judging and they never succeed like that. So we need to balance. It's all act, acting act of balance between all these forces. And um, this is why I built the framework and the framework guides step by step um, um and looking at how can we, what is the best framework for every step? So, because, you know, I, in every step, you know, for example, a development now, let's say you need to build a mm-hmm. product, you know, there are, there are masters of development. There are people that build like huge stuff and, uh, and you bring them along, you know, my framework, just like, you know, it's an integral framework, meaning I just get the best guys in the world. I will, I'm locating who are the best guys in the world for problems that I had with companies in the past. And, and say, okay, this is actually, this is the best framework in development. And this is the best framework in testing something. And this is the best framework for marketing. And this is the best framework for team building and leadership. So you need them all. So I, I'm collecting all this framework into a meta framework, just collecting from the step of creating an idea, which require, for example, biohacking. The first step, a person needs to be receptive. And this is, I cover in the book, you need to be receptive for inspiration need to be receptive to and i think that you know if you are if you're deep in the art and this was a great tori amos book that just she just released a great book and she's talking about inspiration and the muses and how they she gets a song and you talk you you listen to tom Waits, you see how he built music and you understand it's about like receptiving it's about receptivity mm-hmm. how do you can be receptive to the world, when you are in anxiety of relationship, when your body is miss is like anal- not aligned, you are totally inflamed. How can you be receptive to anything when you are yeah. not the antenna is not working? So it, these your are, sensors are your mitochondria at the, the end of the day, and if they're tweaked, you can't pick up the subtle stuff in the world around you, right? Yeah. So how can you do creativity if you you don't have the subtle ability to sense? And if you create an armor of masculinity, of like, oh, we need to do something, how can you be receptive to, to anything? And this is exactly the issue that we have in our days. It's like, you know, you have these entrepreneurs that, you know, they operate. They, they're in their place of operation. 
זירו רספטיביטי. They don't have no clue what the client even wants. Yeah, they have all the system in place and the processes. It's, it's like the, the attunement, we can say this okay. word is, is very low. What uh, percentage of entrepreneurs are tuned out, would you estimate? I know you don't have a study probably, but... I think it's so big. Uh, Dave, I think it's so big. Is that meaning, like, I think they fail in the first stage. So I think people, they're tuned out Totally. I think this will be 99% of population unless they do inner work and body work. Yogis, yeah. people do like actually hard core work. They can actually uh, make creation happen when it's a body attunement. So what is the chance? What is the chance of the attunement of like of, uh, of being uh, connected to these places? I think, I think in the modern Silicon Valley, and I say US is leading, you see like this, it's happening. Mm-hmm. People coming with meaningful stuff, they're coming more and more. It's coming, it's coming. There are very few of them. We all, own the, we all know the names. Yeah. yeah. And if, if this sounds totally weird, guys, I wake up every morning and I do a half hour of movement exercises with a small group of people over Zoom because it's not... <laughs> At least I don't know how to how to perform at the levels <laughs> I do and write books and do a podcast and, and have five companies and all that stuff and be a dad. I, I can't do it if I don't do that stuff. It, it doesn't work. Yeah. Right. So that's uh, that's something that that I'll just say yes. It, that's real, but a lot of people don't know it. So you and I would agree. A lot of people are going through the motions. They're suffering a lot. They're not getting the results they want in part because they're tuned out and. In your book, in the entrepreneur's journey, it's really cool that you based on Ken Wilber's work, and then you tie in Thomas Edison. Can you walk me through kind of the the parts of the book? Um, you talk about yeah, I have like a, I and have expressing. The, maybe yeah. you see, you think there you, you can see diagram if I show like there this. Uh, we can cut it in later, um, so we can okay, cut in. Okay. A, it's on the cover of the book, guys, yeah. and it's called The Entrepreneur's Journey by Alon, A-L-O-N, Braun, B-R-A-U-N. So if, if you're listening to this and you want to go to Amazon, you can pick it up. Or And, and by the way, they either, if somebody wants, there is like a self-assessment tool I built. Uh, it's like on riverbanks.com slash scorecard. And the person can score himself like on the on the different uh, phases of the entrepreneurship, or like where you have bottleneck. Um, you so, didn't tell me about this. It's not even in my my prep notes. And when we talked, cool. Okay. All right. So riverbanks.com/slash scorecard. Okay, I just went there. I'm gonna have to take yeah. the assessment. Cool. Okay, it's a very basic assessment, but it's like it's important stuff. It's like the basic components. It's like people fail on the basic. So I tell you the basic. I will I will go over the basic now. So first of all, the, the Ken Wilber framework, it's like a, the, dividing the world into four um, dimensions, we can say. And uh, this is how I picture it in the book. I don't know. It's like a four dimension. You have X. Okay, you do not see. But you have the... Um, internal world and the external world, and you have the um, uh, individual and collective. These four elements comprise everything. So everything is either within you or within the collective or outside of you or outside the collective. Mm-hmm. So this is like everything in the world will be on this grid. Now, the journey we take as entrepreneur, we move actually each, each uh, uh, focus area and each... Um, uh, I think, let's say, each focus area is 
a whole world by, by itself. So if I teach my children, I will teach them, listen, actually the knowledge is on four dimensions. You need to master the four dimensions. So one of the dimensions will be the internal world. Okay. Who are you? What do you feel? What is your muscle? What is your feeling? How is your uh, hand related to your leg? Everything about you. What Th- do you that's value? That's like a five-year process though, right? Yeah, but this is like, it's, it's a whole <laughs> life. No, I think it's like, you know. It is your whole life, yeah. I, I think something is beautiful about people it's like, and this is a brain. We can live with paradoxes. We can live in learning different things, and they are still there. Even that, even contradict. Uh, you can you can have information which actually contradict each other. Could could contradict another information, and you still be with both of them. It's possible that we, as a human being, we can hold the paradoxes. So, and this is the beauty of the brain. We can actually hold it. We can hold many things in our brain. In each one of them, it's networks that are actually operating. So um, what I will say, there is a whole body of knowledge that we learn about the internal of us. And this is critical for entrepreneurship. And in that, I put input and output. So there is recepting to the world and there is expressing to the world. Both of them you can master. You can, as an entrepreneur, I see, you know, I made a conference. People do not, I don't know about me, but people do not know to speak. It's not like I'm the expert. I'm not expert in nothing. But people don't know how to give a presentation. You have an entrepreneur. You want $20 million for this amazing thing. But he, but he, he it's like Thank he don't know how for, to talk. Thank you for saying that. Um, I, I was coached for a while by a guy who taught most of Silicon Valley's senior executive teams how to give their most important presentation ever. 200 IPO roadshows. And I've been through countless media trainings and I taught for five years. And, and people are like, oh, Dave, you know, you just came out of nowhere and, and you went from computers. And like, I, do you know how much work it was to learn how to talk? Right? Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. Thank it's you expressing. for calling that out. An entrepreneur who can't communicate needs to do some work. <laughs> so acting. There you go. go learn from like uh, the best acting schools in the world. Do the work. You know, you're missing out. You cannot give a presentation to raise 10 million. You don't know nothing. You do not. You don't know to write a paper, like even a, a pitch deck or anything to express yourself. Copywriting, basic, and this is an art. In artists, do it amazingly. So go study the art of expressing, or it's a body art, or it's a. Or it's a or, so, and this is a second phase in the internal world. There is a receptiveness, and there is a, a expressing. Then we move to the next, uh, 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 I say, dimension, in the entrepreneur journey, and this. This is with a, with a, it's a collective, the internal collective dimension, which means actually team. Okay, so we have the entrepreneur and he needs to build a, something in the world. You need a team, you need people, you need to communicate, how they make decisions together, who, what he need, like how they operate as a team. So people fail miserably on this point. Miserably, this is a main, and I call it like the entrepreneur journey, it's a movement from the, you know, from, you know, one world to another world. It's like, this is like the, um, you have in every movie, every Hollywood movie, you have like this, as a, as a hero is moving from one world and you go to another world and all the action happening in the other world. Like this is a Joseph Campbell uh, framework and like the hero journey, Joseph Campbell. So this mm-hmm. is how it's uh, aligned with the Ken Wilber. So what's happening, we just actually, our journey, is moving from inside of ourselves to actually collaborating with people. And every person do it when you go every day to work. And every person 
have, can have more meaning if you understand that this is something that is learning every day. How do you collaborate with people? How do you lead people? How this is working? And this is a journey by itself. So the journey starts from being alone, being with, then being with others. And the others, I put input and output. So we're talking about like, okay, as, as a team now that we build a team, like, uh, okay, how do we align ourselves to the entrepreneur? How do we listen? How do we, um, let's say, build the team? And then how we together, how we plan? Because the planning phase is when you build a team, you make a plan. And I put mm-hmm. it... And then you have the tool. What is the best framework to plan, to make collaborative decision? How do you work together? What's happening when people interfere with your work, when somebody is actually uh, affecting the team in, in an you know, not good way? How do you deal with that? How do like all this knowledge of teamwork, of leadership, it's a recipe for disaster for people. I've been to so many failures myself, like building teams that like collapse, like, you know, argument with partners, argument oh, yeah. with... That, you know, you, you take a scientist coming now, he's like a molecular, you know, biologist. Isn't it? Now we have a team. I don't know, the chances of success. Give him the best tools. We learn the best tool to work. How you work with a team? And there are great teachers in the world. I'm not the teacher. There are great teachers in the world. Um, and then I go to the world of the external. You have to know to melt systems. I give the best. What is the best agile frameworks? What is, how do we actually... Um, Besides developing and building all the assets that we need in the company and all this framework to development, which is entrepreneur usually don't have a clue. Then uh, what about like also about testing? How do you make sure that uh, what about, you know, you know, you have a lean startup and you have so many methodologies that developers, they know to, to handle and people in the entrepreneur have no clue. So I talk about this subject, how do you build systems? Um, and that's that's the world of the system of the external collective, and then we have uh, the marketing. This is like the the understanding the end user, understand how do you reach the end user and how do you get information back, input and output again. So every phase have input and output. How do you get to the user, which is marketing channels, advertising? You know, it's like it's a whole world, and people don't <laughs> get it. It's every each one of them is a whole world, and you need. Who are the best in every world? You need the best. You need to find who are the best teachers. You need to find the best courses. And that's the work uh, for uh, every CEO. Alon, you're, you said something there that I don't want to gloss over. Um, finding the best teachers, what you find over the course of being an entrepreneur or just, just evolving as a human in a career that isn't entrepreneurship is that some people are more believable than others. And that's Ray Dalio, I, I think, highlighted that best yeah. in his book. I mentioned him in, his, in my book as well, because <laughs> he's doing amazing work. He, yeah. he sure is. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, uh, I've, I'll have him on the show one of these days. I've, I've chatted mm-hmm. with him once really briefly. And the the issue there it, is that when you're just getting started, you don't really know who's a huckster <laughs> and who's a good teacher. So you start building uh, discernment which is the ability to go, ah, I've got something to learn from this person and they're not pretending to be a teacher to get something from me. They're actually a teacher, right? And then one of the things that you evolved, at least what I've evolved to is now I curate the experts <laughs> and then I bring them on the show. Like I have you on the show and I put them in the upgrade collective, you know, and, and we all, all study stuff because it saves you so much time to go to the teachers, Right, as long as you're going to the good teachers, you know your elders or people with wisdom. I will, people I will exactly figure it out. So, I will so, add. With, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. How do you, how do you know, like, what's your filter for discernment? What's your process for picking a teacher? It's very simple. I tell you, this is something I understood. The answer is very simple. I understood it only like, you know, after so many failures, it's like, you know, take an advisor that been to the journey, give a few percent. This will make your life so much easier. Just work with somebody that been there already. Don't be so arrogant to yeah. think that you are inventing the wheel, just like get an advisor that been to the journey before you. It's okay. It's like, that's that's the way experience. I do not know to say what is like experience and just precious. Don't be arrogant to think, oh no, I don't need him. No, you need him. You need the advisor that been to the journey, the mentors. In every hero journey, there is a mentor. You're working with like, you know, the wizard, the unleft. I don't know, you need them. You have to get them. Next to you, do not underestimate this line of mentors that that can coach you, that can tell you like, oh, okay, I smell it's this direction. It's not this. I've been to that. What is a big issue? What is like, so this, I did not understand it as a like, you know, tech uh, startup guy. I I didn't understand I need them. And now I understand. And you also need to listen to them, uh, which is not something that I think you have built into your book. At least I'm not remembering that uh, that part of it. Uh, a lot of the times, uh, there was a while ago, I had a really destructive executive at, at one of my larger companies. And I'm talking with a guy who runs a half a billion dollar a year annual company. And, mm-hmm. and I said, hey, um, his name was Ken too. Um, who's your mentor? And he says, Jack Welch. <laughs> like, Holy crap, really? He says, yeah, we got to be friends years ago. And he'll call, you know, he talks to me all the time. And so I told him my situation and, and he says, do you want to use your phone or mine? And he hands me his phone to fire the executive. Just straight up, right? It took me 18 more months of chaos and destruction before I listened to him, right? Yeah. But it's that willingness to listen to someone who has pattern matching systems that are superior to yours. And that's the role yeah. of advisors. Yeah. Um, so I, I wish I'd have picked that up earlier in my career. Look, you can also spec the decision. I will say, okay, sure, let's spec the decision. Let's put all the criteria. Mm-hmm. It's all this, you know. No, get the advisor. It's, it's. I think it's a, it's the heuristic is work with you know human brains and people. It's like that will be the best solution for this problem. And this is in the world of the team. It's not everything yeah. about. Uh, yeah, that's mine. So I, I appreciate that mindset a lot. Mm-hmm. All right. So in in the entrepreneur's journey. Um, you've got, and by the way, um, one of the guys in the Upgrade Collective, I think it was it was Don, figured out at least as we're recording this that you made the Kindle Unlimited edition of your book free, uh, which is super cool. So if, if they're a subscriber to Kindle, where you pay something every month, um, mm-hmm. that people can read it. So you're yep. you're also making this, we'll say, highly accessible. It's like five bucks on on Kindle, so you're you're out to get people to read it. Yeah. Um, Okay, so now we got sensing and expressing, which is the, the first part of the book, like the, the work you do on yourself. And then you talk about teams, which we're getting into here around partnering with collaborators like advisors. Mm-hmm. And then you talk about planning, and then you get into developing. So tell me about planning and developing in your book. What's different from using Ken Wilber's framework and Thomas Edison? What, what do you do differently than everyone else? First of all, I don't do differently, nothing from anybody else. I want to say it's I my yeah. framework. My framework is a collection, and it's integral work to find the best teachers that I can. There is the, the my art here is building is like a it's like a basic mandala. It's a main framework. Uh, the the things inside, you know, I just 
try to it's a framework of frameworks you, yeah, you, put exactly. them in, you sorted exactly. them into the right order <laughs> yes exactly i just sorted them into the right order that's to give organization for everything that i can remember and also so, with so my mind eye you're the first guy i've met with an actual fetish for sorting that that's that's pretty kinky <laughs> fetish for sorting <laughs> thank you totally totally kidding <laughs> Uh, but it, it is what you did. And, and that is how the very best architects, um, at least software and, and virtual you know, logic land architects, uh, do things. You, you figure out, oh, this is how you solve this piece of the problem, and you do that, and then you do this, and you do that. And, and that is how you create elegant solutions and automation, which is, uh, which is really cool. So you're saying you just found the best ones for business and, that, and for learning, right? And I got to say, you've, you've done some pretty cool stuff there because... Um, you just look at all the diverse things you've done in your career, both your ability to navigate through different areas of expertise and then to bring it all together and say, all right, you know, I've, I've become financially successful and all that. So I would say this stuff works. And what you're looking to do is take away a lot of the the sorting and filtering that a new entrepreneur or, or an experienced one would have to do in order to figure out what works best, uh, mm-hmm. which is actually really hard to do in a book. And I think you did a, a pretty good job. <laughs> which just is, try. I tried which is my cool. best. I built a book for me like 20 years ago to read like what what mistakes I did all over the years. This yeah. is like basically it. It's like, well, one of the reasons we write books, and I, some authors say this, but a lot of them don't, when you write a book, you have to learn the material really, really well. You either learn or you teach. And funny enough, do I write books and do I teach in the Upgrade Collective every couple of weeks? Why do I do that? Well, A, I like to help you guys. But B, it makes me lock in and cement the stuff that I'm doing um, so that I remember it better and I can apply it better in my own life and my own companies and, and all of that. So uh, I think part of your writing was to get it, was to, to more clearly structure your architecture and your algorithms so that they lock into your brain as well. Not Is only that. Okay. I, will say, I will say that in my man palace, so in my mind palace, I can stand in front of an object in a, a project and I can operate my, my, my mandala. I call it mandala, but I, I will operate my a framework and I will say, okay, first question, hmm, what do I, what do I vision here? Second question. So I go through my mandala for every, for every, uh, uh, project. Oh, actually who I team with, who is actually the team? This is the question that I ask and actually what we building. So questions like that are the basic for every project. So because I, I know I have the tendency, for example, to get to too much details myself. So questions like, okay, actually, who is in here is a team? Who I work with on this? And questions like that are what I'm running. Um, it's actually the framework. So I'm running the framework for every project. And then I know where I meant with the different projects. This is what I do in okay. my virtual palace. We all know that marketing can be a tool for evil, uh, insert ad for big pharma here, uh, or <laughs> it can, uh, it can be used as, uh, as a tool for good. All right. You know, you can market kindness, you, know, you can market gratitude, uh, you can market, you know, skills, uh, or you can market, you know, cigarettes. It's, it's amoral marketing as, um, it's, it's what you have behind the marketing that, that defines the morality. But you talk about the, the final part of your book about uh, engaging, taking a product or service, or I'm going to say idea to market. And because you've been doing a lot of internet marketing uh, in your career, like you've learned how to do ad buying and media buying mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. What, what's your advice? It's 2021 now and things have shifted a lot. So what is the best way to take a product or service to market given the world we live in now? 
live, okay, I will say it for every, first of all, I will say it for every quadrant. Um, there are people, you know, in our life, every quadrant, let's say development, marketing, um, team, is actually a network. So it's a network of people. You need a marketeers, a marketeers that you need to work with have a network of like, he can tap to the best funds in the world, to the best landing page. You know, he's been to the conferences. You need the network alive for you. So your CFO needs a link to the investor. Your ne- your marketing guy needs a network for the marketing guys, which is like the publishers. And your developer need to have all the other CTOs. So it's everybody is about the network that they hold. So my advice will be do not underestimate what you're dealing with. The competition is fierce. And in marketing, if you're going, if you're going with your good heart and your you know, inspiration, you are dealing even with fierce world. And I'm not sure that people are aware of what's happening. Because you know, when you lie and when you don't tell the truth about your product, it's yeah. like much easier. And how, how do you compete? How do you actually, for example, longevity? How do you make a sub? And I deal with this problem all the time. I advise like longevity guys. They make a beautiful supplement. Amazing, you know, something great. And they need to, to sell a supplement now. They, you, they don't know what they're dealing with. The guys that are on the supplements world in Facebook and in Google, they are so fierce. They have no clue what they're dealing with. So it's like the competition. They have to have the arms and they have to have the network to the best of the best around them constantly, the CRM. So this, I think this is the main advice that I will say. And this is for every quadrant. For every quadrant, you need the best experts around you. Um, and so not even experts, networkers. So you need networkers, you need good experts. It's funny, mm-hmm. my the, the, we didn't really have a thesis at Wharton, but sort of the, the big project that involves way more math than it should have uh, when I was studying, this was you know, 18 years ago or something, um, I looked at the supplement industry and it went deep on it. You, I don't think I've ever talked about this on the show before. And I was frustrated because I knew there were tons of crap supplements on the market and I knew there were some good ones. But for the average person who didn't have my level of knowledge, it's like, how do you know what's a good supplement? And it turns out there's really only two signals. One of them is packaging. Put it in a pretty bottle, even if it's rice powder and you know nothing else. Pretty bottle. And the other one is price. So you make it expensive, put it in a pretty bottle, and the way to make the most money in the business is actually to put crappy supplements in pretty bottles and charge a lot for them, right? And so that's where the, that's where the market recoiling. goes. It, yeah, and you put them on a subscription, right? And it's such an unethical, dirty business to do that. Um, so I'm like, I don't want to do that. So my job is to figure out how to do a high-quality supplement that signals it enough. And it turns out there's a third way that I didn't prove mathematically, but I proved at least in an equals one, uh, which is you actually go out there and you talk about the science and you talk about why it works and what's in there and how it works and you educate and you bring people along. The only problem is that is we have regulatory stuff where they say, oh, you're not allowed to say what your supplements do because only drugs can do that. So I've run into that where it's just, it's challenging when you have really powerful stuff, um, but it ultimately comes down to building trust. And what's your advice for teaching people, assuming you are trustworthy? Because if you're not trustworthy, you can't build trust. But assuming you are trustworthy, how do you teach people that you're trustworthy? Because that's what every marketer who is doing a real thing wants, but they're fighting with people who are trying to build trust who are not trustworthy. How do you distinguish between people that are trustworthy and not? How do you know if the Oprah Winfrey endorsement is real or not? 
This is a question. How do you know that the endorsement is a, because what they're dealing, they're doing the, they, you know, before they get caught by FTC, they do like whatever they want. And the endorsement that you see, it's whatever you want to see. So this is far as my, my, uh, uh, knowledge of the industry. <laughs> so I know, I know that it's working this way. So they are taking the fine of the, you know, they're taking the fines. And how do you how do you distinguish between like a, a real endorsement or not real endorsement? Um, that is a good question. It's rough. I mean, I have people who take pictures of me at Upgrade Labs, and then they say it's their company. And I interviewed Dr. Oz, um, who's actually a fine cardiothoracic surgeon and just uh, so knowledgeable, way beyond what most people would believe from the friendly guy you see on TV. And he, he runs you through the ringer before you even get on the show, asks you all kinds of questions, wants studies, like, like there's, there's compliance there. But when I interviewed him on Bulletproof Radio, he's like, Dave, there's hundreds of people using my name without my knowledge, without my permission. I have never endorsed any product. <laughs> yeah. And so there's a huge trust problem with people. But, but let's take this back down to entrepreneurs and for people who are looking at that what's your decision-making, your sorting algorithm for yep. a consumer to know whether something's real and for an entrepreneur to to actually pro- project their realness, assuming they have it? I will say, I in my book, I did like, and I put it in the uh, end of the book. It's like I put the math of a certain choice. The, the choice that I, I, I put uh, is about choosing the marketing channel. It's not exactly even the content. Okay. I'm not even... I'm not a, it's a game right now. It's in the channel. It's not in the content. I will say like that. So because we have the element of how, what wires, what is running on the wire, what are the wires and what is running on the wires. Now, people can wire, uh, go with crap content, large media buy, so have like a low conversion or low conversion, but still, because they managed to buy cheap, they, their product will be everywhere. Because they managed to process the cards in a certain way and they managed to get low cost for the channel, uh, they're, they're just like, they will be everywhere in the world. And and it's because of the channel is not enough because of the content. Because why? Because the content is really easy to copy. So if you make a Coca-Cola, you make another Coca-Cola, it's easy. You know, you take a designer, you have the other Coca-Cola and you fake that and you don't put, the, okay, you don't put the endorsement. But if the channel is cheap enough, then you can make it happen. So it's all about the cost of channels. Now, in my book, I go about how do you, if you have like a 50 channels, and we have like hundreds of channels right now, how do you decide if to go with TikTok or you do media by AdWords or you go with like, a, you know, influencer marketing or you go with like a newspaper and PR? How do you do that? How do you make decisions which channel to go? Now, I think this decision of which channels to go in marketing are crucial. Uh, I've seen mistakes. I've seen mistakes that is like devastating, devastating the, the business in this part of marketing. People are not aware um, to do the marketing itself. So they, they start to invest in a channel that is not a, a scalable, for example. So unaware, so they start to, you know, and this is very common, like start to do social. Social media is a, they think that if they post their, their little content in the, their group of friends, they will have like traffic suddenly. You think suddenly they will have enough traffic. It doesn't work this way. So they have to choose the yeah. right scalable, for example, it's, it's a really yeah. important for channels, scalable uh, channel. So if they put more money, more money, it will actually scale. So if, you know, this email marketing and all these choices. And, and I think in my, in my opinion, it's like, 
channels are a, a base of decision for the engagement in our world, especially for hackers, because we say hacking. So I say like everybody now sitting in the world and everybody can make a lot of money if they have access to a channel. This is the gold. This is okay. access to a cheap channel in our world is equal money. The same as it was in, you know, 100 years ago, you know, uh, Soviet Union, I don't know, this is like 20 years ago, or 30 years ago, Soviet Union break, break and there was like oligarchs being created. They have like mm-hmm. a cheap rice or cheap, uh, you know, access to land or cheap. Buying cheap today is the main stuff. So buying, marketing cheap is the main uh, criteria for success in marketing. Uh, in my right. eyes, this is besides the content. I'm not talking so about figuring the out how you're going to get it out there. Okay. Yeah. Let, let's talk a little bit about Neurotech uh, because that's how we originally met. Uh, yeah. I, I downloaded your industry research report. I'm like, wow. So I've got 40 years in, which is my neuroscience company. And I talk about that occasionally on the show, but this is the five day brain upgrade thing I've been doing for a while now, uh, mostly with entrepreneurs and, and some professional sports people and all. And so I said, I want to read this thing. It was a really good report. And you saw my name. So we reached out, got to know each other. And um, that's a very interesting, fast-moving industry. And I want to know, using your entrepreneur's framework, just your vision of things, where is neurotech going? Like, like where, where are we going to end up in the next five years? Because, I mean, some of it's kind of scary. Some of it's kind of cool. So put on your future hat and educate me. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Yeah. Okay. I will say like, this is what I think is coming. I will tell you like the, I will say like that. I will say that we will very soon, and it's happening already. I see it in different places, tapping in specific network meaning training specific network. So, and I think the people that will able to train the specific network in the brain and read, let's say even biofeedback of specific networks in their brain will uh, have like huge increase in performance. And I think this is happening. So a person that can really be relaxed and can can uh, calm down his amygdala mm-hmm. because basically you have a device, you know, you go to, you know, a place, you have a place, you understand that because that's the reason you're building this direction. Somebody oh, yeah. will go to a place like that and actually can train his amygdala to, to actually be relaxed in another person. And then you have another machine that actually train in the sorting. And then you have a machine that train you in like a, I don't know, whatever, whatever. You can train any network in your brain and tap into it and biofeedback into it directly. And this is already yeah. game changer. People don't it, understand like how much is game changer. It's so big <laughs> what you can yes. do with that stuff. We, I couldn't do what I do now had I not spent four months with electrodes on my head. And people, yeah. I say that occasionally people don't believe it or it, it seems out there. I think it's more than spending four months in a cave. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I'd be oh, to cave. Do that too. Exactly, the cave. Take the yogis, see what they are capable, 
this is coming. So that's, this is coming for every person. So this is what we are what tapping into. Exactly. And take fact, the, the, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Let, let me ask you this. I've brought some crazy power people in to 40 years in to scan their brains. And when they turn on their powers, they always blank out the gear. Like literally they overwhelm the sensors and we just get garbage data. Mm-hmm. You ever see that in any of the stuff you've looked at? What do you mean? Like they, they have well, These are guys who, who their teams know don't use wireless mics with them because the wireless mics always break. Like they, they literally make fields with their bodies that cause ah, electronics ah, to mess I with. I don't understand this enough. I'm sorry. I don't understand it this enough. I, in the EMF, I, I don't understand enough. When I put those guys in, you know, put an EEG on there, you start seeing things change, change, and then um, all of a sudden you basically you're, you're having data that, that, that the sensors don't pick up. Like, like it, it's junk data. So this, this has probably a, happened four or five times where we're looking at people who are experiencing, you know, kundalini transformations and some other just very high powered people. It's okay. So this is yeah. relate, uh, you doing the work relating these people to the AI people to clean this, yeah. uh, to clean this mess. But somebody need to be educating both of the sides. That's the issue. Yeah. Uh, people that understand like the kundalini work and the AI work oh, together. We, we've had to build new, new tech in order to be able to train some of the states that we know are tied to spiritual stuff. Uh, but to sense some of the stuff, I, I don't even know what to measure. And I think a lot of people don't. So it's acknowledging that the states might be possible. Therefore, we should look for them. And that's, it seems like that's a big part of neuroscience. And if we blank that out and we think we're meat robots or just meat sorting machines, we're not, and I love that you say we're sorting machines. We are. We're not just sorting machines. And, and it's that just it's part that seems to need to come into the field of neuroscience from an entrepreneur perspective and from a, a, just a human development perspective. So are you on a scale of one to 10, 10 being hopeful, bright neuroscience future, one being dark, gritty, cyberpunk, you know, meet robot future. Where are you on the neuroscience future? <laughs> we're looking good or are we looking a little bit scary? I will make a choice and I will be in the romantic part. I think I value romanticism and uh, I prefer to take this. uh, I would prefer, I will make a conscious choice and I will say it's coming great. It will be amazing. All right. I I can activate another place within me easily. Yeah. (laughs) It's one of those binary uh, decision tree moments. Uh, I... I'm on both sides, right? Like there are going to be some very bright spots and I think there are going to be some very dark spots as well. Mm-hmm. You get some yeah. of the some of the military yeah. uses, probably people that you and I have both talked to uh, who, who know some of the stuff that's happening both overseas and in North America. And you're going, wow, yeah. that looks pretty crappy. And then you look in other spots and you go, wow, you know, we might be able to uh, to turn on some enlightenment pretty quickly. So where yeah. it's going to end up, uh, which, which side will win or whether we will always have both sides, I don't really know. But yeah. I would encourage entrepreneurs who listen to this who are in neurosciences and neurotech and big data, um, look at your mission and look at your why. <laughs> Make uh, sure that whatever you're building is in alignment with that because yeah, it's for, possible with any tool you develop uh, to use it for good or bad. Uh, I, I will say, I will add to that, and I say that uh, absolutely, and this point is super important, and what you're educating and what you bring, Dave, is like the ability to integrate with the, these two worlds they so need it because what's happening if this, if you give it to the neuro uh, AI guys to make it uh, to to make the ideas, it will not need in a good direction. I think that uh, it's have to be, they have to learn the world of the yogis, self awareness, uh, compassion, all these values. They have to learn them as quick as possible. We have to integrate it as quick as possible because but there was where is all the magic is but they do not see it yet. So integrating between the internal world 
and this external world is the main work right now. There are very few people that uh, can handle it. And sadly, uh, what I see is not the direction. Is uh, If I look at reality, what's happening, the neurotech guys, they are playing with AI and the algorithm with zero knowledge of what is what a, a, a kid need and what is a, a, an autistic kid. You know, we have like autistic kids. You know, these AI guys, they fix it. You need a human connection. You need, yeah. they don't, it's so far. It's so far right now. Um, from this, you know, but it's coming, I guess. And you know, we need more voices, like bring the self-awareness world to these uh, computer engineers. And I hope this is both of us. I think this is a journey we took with the years. And I think we need yeah. more and more of that. And this is my mission here. I, well. I have noticed over the last 20 years, the best entrepreneurs, the ones who stood out over time, uh, some guys have been on the show, like uh, like Tim Chang has been on. He's a, a managing director at Mayfield Partners. I, I've known him since he was an associate in VC, just randomly. And so we've known each other for 25 years. And I've watched him evolve from a relatively wooden young VC, you know, I'm in a climate VC thing, to someone who's done the personal development work and his interview is really cool. Uh, and so you look at that and it's made him a more successful VC. And the entrepreneurs who do the personal development work, they they start to grow more and more. But going back 10, 15 years on the whole Bulletproof side, the software developers, and this was one of the first communities who started drinking Bulletproof coffee and using the nootropics that I talk about and all that. A lot of that crowd has gone down either microdosing or holotropic breathing or Wim Hof breathing yeah. or anything that gets them out of the bodies, those are the master level architects. Those are the developers who one of them is worth 10 times a regular developer. Yeah. So we're seeing performance enhancement from mindfulness. So it's my hope that the people who reach the very top are the ones who did the mindfulness work. Um, and I think that's happening, but I'm not entirely sure. But it, uh, what, what do you think? Is, is that a pattern that you're picking up as well? Um, yeah, but they are numbered. So the entrepreneurs that are making now impactful, heart-centered decision and like going to make a big change and enhance performance are very few. And uh, but it's happening. Um, they are among. They are there. Very few, and I think more than there used to be. And maybe they're just more visible. But it's our job, and it's everyone in the Upgrade Collect. Everyone listens to the show. You're listening to the show. Uh, talk about this stuff because it matters. And mindfulness is a part of anything you're building. And an example there. I don't know how many copies of your book are going to get read, but let's assume it's a couple hundred thousand. My book is directed book. exactly to this population. Oh, it, just it like, is. I'm trying to integrate them back, the self-awareness, so they will not do a destruction. Well, so whatever I build, yeah. I'm trying to give them back. I'm we're we're to, both working mm-hmm. on it. But mm-hmm. but think about this. If your book, if it say it takes eight hours to read your book, I think that's about right for the average person, right? So when you have a couple hundred thousand copies, how many hours of human life is that? I don't know. It's a lifetime or two, right? So Bulletproof Radio, 250 million uh, downloads or so. So 250 million hours of human life is, I don't know, 100 lives or something. I don't know. But I'm either a mass murderer (laughs) because I consumed 100 full lives if my content is crap or I did something worthwhile and at least I gave people back the value they put. You're an internet marketer. You're an entrepreneur and you build a service that just fritters away people's time and energy because you don't value it. I think you're a mass murderer. <laughs> That's my <Yeah>. bar. <laughs> I can tell you that I, I already made decisions are very clear about what I value and what not and where yeah. I'm hand-centered what not. And the fact that I read this show, it means that I value your work. You're not mass murderer. Ah, With all respect. Thank you, brother. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. With all respect, you're doing good work and you're doing a, a heart-centered work and your intention, this is what I see. 
So, you know, we are engineer in the end and maybe we are too much marketing. You know, people can judge you on everything you do. But sure. anyhow, your work, you're bringing something of your heart, you bring it to the world, you help yourself and you try and you're working with others and you're being the joy and you're bringing, I don't know, I this is what I see about your work. It's coming from the right place. And um, that's all. It's coming from the, the best place that I know of today, but I believe yeah. there's probably better ones coming up. And I see the same thing in your work a lot, which is, which is really cool. And that's why I'm really happy to share your unique way of thinking on, on the show. And, and guys listening to this, uh, read The Entrepreneur's Journey, even if you're not an entrepreneur. There's a lot of value in it. And the things we talked about uh, much earlier about the memory palace and understanding it's not just a way to sort things. It's a way for you to actually do things in your brain in a way that lowers stress and makes you more effective in the world. And if look, if you're a teacher, you'll be a more effective teacher. If you're a parent, you'll be a more effective parent, right? And if you're a total yeah. douchebag, you'll probably be a more effective total douchebag, but maybe you'll fix it as well. Right? No, so, you will be a hard center. I'm moving. <laughs> so you have to do the internal work. So it will not be. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on the show. I I appreciate being on your advisory board with neurotech.com. And I love the way you're sorting through all these frameworks and assembling them in a useful way that honestly, for someone who has the wisdom to listen to you and implement at least most of what you're saying, it'll probably save them 10 years of grind. In a company, and that's that's a really big gift for someone. And I, I wish I'd had uh, some of this knowledge earlier on, or at least had the the ability and wisdom to implement it. So, yeah. thank you, man. Okay, thank you, Dave. All right, upgrade collective. You guys have any questions for Alon? If you do, oh, here we go. Noel has one. Awesome. So I had a question. I heard um, on a separate podcast that um, emotion. When you use when there is something tied to an emotion, you remember it very well. So, for example, you go into an accident, you know, you remember it because that induced fear. Yeah. Um, do you know of any hacks we can use to remember things better just by leveraging our emotions? Absolutely, all the palace. It's like you tap into for every object that you place in the palace. You need to connect to an emotion. So uh, how do you do that? It's like, a, let's say you build a room and you put like the items. And uh, so let's say, I don't know, you put a basketball. So you make the basketball, I don't know, uh, something you make, uh, that makes you emotion. I don't know, like a, you make it the head of a monster. I don't know what, uh, just like to be scary or just put some emotion, make it very tidy and make it grotesque, make it funny. So every object that you 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 place, you need to make it extreme. Yeah, maybe a sexual direction for every object. <laughs> Do something. Just, yeah, yeah, tie it to your emotion, like make it scary or something. Like, got it. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I will advise not. Advise we go with the positive emotions and you don't get like a horror. I try to be like a horror palaces, but the build, it doesn't work so well. It's better you make a funny stuff, funny stuff, loving stuff. Thanks for saying that. Uh, Jim Quick has come on, who's a, a dear friend. Uh, I spent a lot of time with with Jim, who's a, a memory expert, a learning expert. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the techniques I believe we discussed a while back in the interview is you can actually make, make scary stuff because it remembers very well. Mm-hmm. My experience seems to match yours, uh, which is that it... No. it 
it, it, like there's energy that goes into you, right? And, and if you fill totally. your brain with horrific images to remember things better, it might come at an unanticipated Catastrophic. cost. <laughs> so, let's not is you're raising your sympathetic all the time, you, you're decreasing your ability to to remember. It's not good. I don't yeah. I don't agree and, with and, this. Uh, and I don't oh, want to say oh, Jim recommended good. you know fill your brain with hor- horrible stuff, but it was just a, a passing comment there. But a lot of the books on memory palace techniques. Uh, we'll talk about doing that. And like you said, life's too short for that. So you don't yeah. need a, a brain that thinks you're about to die all the time at some subliminal no. level. Yeah. That, that was a cool question. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for asking that, Noel. Anyone else want to go? Going once, going twice? Everyone says I'm not smart enough uh, to ask this guy any questions. I, I'm, I'm hearing that from a few people. <laughs> don't need to <laughs> okay. I'm not an expert. Um, Brandon, you want to ask that that thing? Uh, that's actually a really good question. I'll ask it if you don't want to. I think he's not going to ask. I, I'm going to ask for him. Mm. Um, he's on the cell phone anyway. All right. So he says, "All right, what about uh, what about sex? So you can you can put things in the memory palace that uh, yeah, are titillating. So, uh, do you yeah. do that? Does that work? Yeah. Is it a yeah, good well, idea? Okay. This is a good idea." It's a good idea. All right. I'm sorry. Sex is uh, something great. Yeah. Put it in the palace. We are humans. It's not like I, this is my opinion. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you're right. This is a good direction. Okay. Good deal. Um, by the way, mm-hmm. I totally support that. Even at 40 years of Zen, sometimes when you're stuck trying to get to a new state, like that's okay. Just close your eyes, have a fantasy for a minute, and you watch people's brainwaves go back to where they wanted them to go. Absolutely. So body, there's because power it's body. in that. Yeah, yeah you're it, connecting to your body. It's the body. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thanks, guys, for the extra questions. And if you're listening to this going, what the heck is Upgrade Collective? Go to OurUpgradeCollective.com. It's my membership and mentorship group. And you get to log in and actually be a part of the community doing the podcast, which is tons of fun. And if you're not up for the Upgrade Collective, maybe I'll see you at the Biohacking Conference. Go to BiohackingConference.com. And if none of that appealed, but you just love Elon, a-L-O-N-B-R-A-U-N.com. Alon Brown is his website. His book is The Entrepreneur's Journey Scorecard. I'll see you on the next episode. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.